All right, now let's get ready to hear our message from Pastor Chuck Boer. All right, all right. I love that we take time to fellowship together and to be together. And I love not only here in the building, all of us are together, but all of you who are watching online right now, what a blessing to have you be a part of what happens and what we're doing. Father, I pray right now that all of us are going to be really sensitive to you and to who you're calling us to be and how you're calling us to live and what you want us to experience. And I know there are some men and there's some women that you're calling You're going to stir in their heart to go and change a child's life. Go show a child who's been treated so badly, so unfairly, that they're worth loving. And uh, there's going to be a barrier to overcome. There's going to be obstacles to be endured. And yet on the other side, Lord, they're going to be carried through by you. There's a victory that's about to happen for many. I pray they're going to say yes to you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a lot of heroes of the faith. I don't know if you have heroes of the faith, but I do. Charles Finney for sure is one. Charles Finney, before he was a Christian, he actually thought this. If I were to die, I know I'll go to hell. That fear began to take over. That anxiety began to be a part of him. And then he began to think, I've got to have something. I've got to do something. He was a success by everybody's account, but he knew it wasn't enough. And so what happened is Finney began to think, I need the Lord. I need the Lord. But he knew he didn't have the Lord. And he, he knew he had a thirst for that. I don't think in that moment he knew this. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. And, and so that's what was going on in his life. So there was a night that he began to walk home to the home he lived in, and he began to say, Lord, I have to settle the account of my salvation. I have to actually begin to trust in you, but I need to know it's true. And he took a walk in the woods, and he really sensed the Lord's presence, but he also sensed this, that it was far from him, that he was not close to God. Then he went into his house, and he lit a fire, and he said this, before I could sit down, It happened. The Holy Spirit came. In that moment, I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit, but now I know it was. The Holy Spirit came upon me in a wave, and then a huge wave. It hit me with another wave. And he said, I was covered in love like I had never experienced before. It was waves of love covering me, taking over. He said, I began to cry. And then I began to, here's this quote, gush forth things I couldn't even say because it got deeper and it got stronger. And he said, it was so overwhelming. And then it hit again and it hit again. And he said, he dropped on his knees and said these words, Lord, if you don't stop, I'll die. That's how powerful the Holy Spirit came upon him. He experienced it that way. Charles Finney. He would go on to lead one of the greatest revivals the world has ever known. And it would be over an extended period of time. He would change more lives than anybody could imagine. And Finney today echoes forth in the, in the whole idea of eternity in the number of people he'll, he still touches and reaches because he was a man empowered by the Holy Spirit. Uh, over here, I want you to think about another man. His name was Oswald Chambers. Another one of my favorite heroes and Christian leaders who lived in the past. Oswald Chambers, though, said this. I was a Christian, but I was a fake. The things I read in the Bible weren't happening in my life. He said, I got to be honest, the Bible to me was the dullest book I ever read. I would force myself to read it, always being bored. 
And he said, you know what I knew? I knew that if this was what Christianity was, then what I had was a lie. And then he had a particular passage of scripture. And that we're going to get into tonight where Jesus said these words. That if your heavenly father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And Chambers asked for the Holy Spirit. He sat there in his chair by a fire, by the way, and said, Jesus, I'm asking you to give me your Holy Spirit. And he sat there and he thought, he did. No waves, no ecstatic feeling, no falling on the floor, not one tear was shed. He just had faith that what Jesus said was true, that he prayed according to Jesus' will, and that Jesus would do it. And he said, but I want to tell you, everything changed. He said, when I opened the Bible, it's like the words leaped off the page. When I began to go share the truths of Scripture, it affected people more. When I prayed, I felt a deeper connection with God. He said, and and I began to have this joy, this joy that I couldn't imagine. And I found myself, this is a big one, wanting to obey everything the Bible said. And I did. I did as best of my ability. Now, what's so interesting about these two men, they both went on to change the world. They both went on to affect thousands, if not millions of other people. But one had this experience, this like a lightning bolt moment and beyond. The other one, it was still and quiet. While they were completely different in their experience, they both did experience the same thing, the Holy Spirit. And they both had the same results in the end. The Bible became incredible. Connection with God was stronger. They, could, they were guided by God in clearer and clearer ways. So both of them experienced that. Both of them had that happen. But what they had in common, it was the Holy Spirit. So here's what I want to tell you. When we do the theology interview, and I love the theology interview, and that if you're brand new, we're, we're taking the theology interview we do with every person who wants to be a part of Crossroads Christian Church's leadership teams, and, and, and we give this to them because we want to make sure we're all in alignment. Then when we talk to them about God, guess what? The vast majority of people get it right. When we talk about Jesus, the vast majority get it right. When we get to the Holy Spirit, it's uh, more the minority that, that seem to have it, that know what they believe and why they believe it. See, it's not just what you believe, but you've got to know why you believe it. And so when we get there, I realize a lot of times I've got to help people through this. I, I don't give them answers and put words in their mouth, but I have to I try to walk them through. Why? Because so many times people aren't aware of this. Uh, if they ever use the word it... For the Holy Spirit, we've got to do a timeout. By the way, let's do a timeout. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is God. And so, and by the way, the Holy Spirit, for those who don't know, it's not the force, okay? You know, it's not Luke Skywalker had the Holy Spirit, you know, and uh, yeah, you know. And, and so what we need to know is the Holy Spirit is God. And God comes near, God comes close, God gives power, God gives grace, God does something incredible. We know that God is God the Father, and he wants to be our Abba Father. We know that God is the Son, and he wants to be our Savior. We know that Jesus said the Holy Spirit is God, and that he has come to be our helper. He has come to be the one who brings power in our life, guidance in our life, comfort in our life, and he comes giving you gifts. And by the way, let me say this if you didn't know this. When the Holy Spirit gives you a gift, you're commissioned to use the gift. You actually have to use it. 
And uh, when that happens, then you become empowered by the Holy Spirit to do transforming things in the lives of other people. And the Holy Spirit causes you to bear fruit. Uh, That's what I want you to know. You could psych yourself up to bear the fruit, and you won't really do well. You could try to learn how to bear the fruit, but guess what? It won't last. But if the Holy Spirit causes you to bear fruit, it's eternal. And so he comes and he changes and does things in our life. Jesus said this. He said that God is spirit. John chapter 4, verse 24. Jesus was with a woman at the well, and and she is thirsting for more too, just like Charles Finney was. And, And it says this. Jesus looked at her and said, here's what you need to know, that God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We're going to get back to this later. But for you and I to experience the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to be willing to worship God in spirit, which means with every ounce of our being, with the emotions within us, from deep down within, and it has to be done in truth. In other words, it has to be real. It has to have integrity. And so Jesus said, I want you to know that. Paul would later say this in 2 Corinthians. Now the Lord is the Spirit. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? There's liberty. So here's the thing I want you to know too, is when I'm experiencing the Holy Spirit, I'm experiencing freedom. When you experience the Holy Spirit, you're experiencing freedom. Uh, Freedom from self. I always think this is interesting. Jesus died to save you from your sins. He also died to save you from yourself. Because let's get honest, some of you, you're your own worst enemy. Well, I get, let's get it straight. All of you, you're your own worst enemy, all right? Yeah. We all share in that. And, and so we get saved from that. But we also get saved from our past. We get saved from bad habits. We get saved from, from sins that are secret sins. We get saved from the lies. Because the Spirit is what? God is Spirit, and those who worship Him worship Him in Spirit. And what? Truth. So the Spirit sets you free from lies. Lies like you're not good enough. Lies like you don't matter. Lies like you can never get through this. Lies like no one cares about you. Lies like you're not destined for great things. You know, some, of, some people, they feel like, well, that's somebody else. No, God has an incredible plan for you. And, and God wants you to know that. And, and you know what Jesus would tell you if he could tell you? If he could get you to listen, he'd say, you're worth dying for. And so worth dying for, I did it. And then I gave you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit now has you. And, and you need to live in that and, and experience that and have that be who you are. I think it's interesting and worth knowing because we're doing the theology interview to point out some theology here. That Peter, when he was talking to a man named Ananias, he interchanges the word God and Spirit Why? Because they're the same thing. So it's in the book of Acts, and what happens is this. There's a man named Ananias. Now, Ananias and his wife, Sapphira, were a part of the first great revival that's happening within the church. And whenever a revival happens, a lot of things occur. But one, don't miss this, is Christians get generous. They really do. They get generous. They, they care about other people in, in tangible ways. And so what happened is uh, people were selling property and bringing the money and saying, help people, help people. They were bringing it to the church because that's how you worship the Lord is by giving in the church. And the church is to go and transform the lives of others. So Ananias and Sapphira sold a very expensive piece of property. And it says they came and they gave it to the church, but they held back part of it. 
Now, it wasn't wrong they held back part of it. What was wrong is what? They pretended they didn't. By the way, pretended they didn't means lied. And those who worship the Lord need to know that God is spirit and we must worship him in spirit and what? Truth. And they're lying. They're lying. So they're not doing what the Holy Spirit would want them to do. And Peter begins to talk to him. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Notice who he was lying to. He said, you're lying to the Holy Spirit by pretending to do something that you really didn't do and to keep back some of the price of the land. Later on, Peter would have said, if while it was yours, it was yours. But now that you're turning it into a lie, you are now lying to the Holy Spirit. And it says, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? So in other words, when you sold it and you had the money, you, it still could have been okay for you to keep it all. But you didn't do that. Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but you've lied to who? God. But earlier, who did he say he lied to? Holy Spirit. Why? Because they're the same thing. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So we know that God is the Father, the Son, and we all know who's number three? Holy Spirit. By the way, it's not in order, like God's better as Father than Son. They're all, they're all awesome. Jesus promised that he would give us the Holy Spirit. By the way, I don't know if you've heard about the pastor that was preaching on the subject of Ananias and Sapphira. And, and, and what I didn't tell you is that God ends up killing Ananias and God ends up killing Sapphira. He strikes him dead. And the pastor said, can you believe it? He struck him dead for lying. And he said, this pastor said, if God struck people dead for lying today, where would I be? And everybody started laughing. And he said, I'll tell you where I'd be. I'd be preaching to an empty church. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna laugh about that later and, Okay, yeah. But Jesus promised he would give the Holy Spirit to us. So in John, John chapter 14, it says this. I, Jesus said, will ask the Father, and he will give you another, and notice this word, helper. Another helper. Sawyer already brought up the idea that's what the Holy Spirit, at least is called in one title, is helper. That he may be with you forever, and that is the spirit of truth. Now, by the way, notice how this word keeps coming up. Have you noticed that? It just keeps coming up when it refers to the Holy Spirit. Whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. And, and I think that's so powerful. And Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. Notice what he says here. Who's going to come to us? He said, I will come to you. But who does Jesus actually have come to us is the Spirit. Because where the, the Lord is the Spirit and this, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Does that make sense? You get where we're going with all this. So it's very, very consistent. But what Jesus said is this. He goes, I'm going to send the helper to you. Now, the word helper is a very interesting and, and great Greek word. The word helper is the Greek word paraclete, which means to help, to comfort, to advocate, to intercede. So the Holy Spirit sometimes intercedes for you when you don't know how to pray. Sometimes you're like, I don't even know what to pray for. And the Holy Spirit's actually going to try to say to you, I got it. I know what you need. I'm going to go tell God what you need. And, I, and I'm going to talk to him for you. And he's going to intercede for you. Uh, the Holy Spirit's going to help you. But that word help actually means the idea of coming alongside 
Now, why is that important? Because you know what? You can help somebody by doing it for them, which is not always wrong, but isn't it better to help them by doing it with them? Yeah, yeah, there's, okay, yes, they're right. Yeah. And that's how you learn better. That's how you have value. That's how, how you, you know you matter. And so the Holy Spirit's like, I want you to go change the world, so let's do this together. So it's you and the Holy Spirit experiencing things. And by the way, there's times he's like, you got this. You're like, no, I don't. <laughs> he's going, no, you got it. You got it. But I got your back. And he comes and helps you. And Jesus said, you're going to experience that. And where I want to stop is this. You should actually be experiencing it. Where there's a moment going, hey, that was the Holy Spirit. He was helping me in this moment. I've had moments where I'm with somebody and I'm like, I don't know what to say. And all of a sudden the words come. And, and then I tell them and they're like, oh, that's what I needed to hear. And I'm like, well, it wasn't me. You know who helped me? Holy Spirit. I've had moments where the Holy Spirit's told me things that I needed to know about somebody they weren't willing to tell me. And I look at them and say, you actually did this. And they're like, no way. And they're like freaked out. And I'm like, you should be freaked out. The Holy Ghost, you know. And, uh, but, but you're going to have that happen. I've gone to places I didn't know I should go. And incredible things have occurred. Why? The Holy Spirit. And, and he is going to do that. He's going to work with you that way. So you need to understand that, that he wants to come alongside you. But by the way, you're never, ever alone. You're never alone. I, he wants to teach you. He wants to guide you. Jesus said this in John 14, 26. But the helper who comes alongside you, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. And I want to tell you that as you start studying scripture, you might say, but the Bible's big. I'm not sure I remember anything. Get ready. Because you planted it in your mind and even more put it in your heart, the Holy Spirit will bring it up when you need it. He's going to go, wait, wait, wait. Remember this? You're like, oh yeah, that verse applies. Where did that come from? The Holy Spirit. But he's also going to teach you all things. He's going to be with you and teach you and show you everything you know, need to know that, that is a part of life and godliness. That's what the Bible promises. And so you will actually be taught by God. But let me go ahead and give you this. The number one thing he's always going to teach you is what? To love one another. First John Timothy says that's the goal of our instruction. And in 1 Thessalonians 4.9, it says we have God-taught love. And so I've had the, the Holy Spirit teach me things before like that. Uh, one time, Pam and I got into an argument, and Pam, I know you're watching, and I know you remember this. Uh, we got in an argument, and I got really mad, and I went into our bedroom, and we're brand new newlyweds, and I'm sitting there thinking, you know what, I am not going to talk to her. I'm not going to say a word to her till she comes and apologizes. And I sat down, no lie, I opened up my Bible. Bad idea. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit started saying, you go out and love her. And I could hear him. By the way, I think in those moments, I hear the Holy Spirit really well. You go out and love her. Pam, remember that? I go out and love her. So I'm like, oh. and then I felt the Lord telling me, the Holy Spirit telling me, go tell her you're sorry. And I actually thought, but I'm not really sorry. And the Holy Spirit said, you, you need to be sorry. So I open the door, walk out. I walk up to Pam, and she's sitting there, and she looks at me. She's got tears stained still. I said, Pam, I'm sorry. And she looked at me and goes, that's okay. 
I'm like, that's okay. No, you're supposed to see me too. You're supposed, you know, she wasn't going to let it go. And the Holy Spirit told me, that's what you were supposed to do, Chuck. She'll burn in hell. No, not really. <laughs> I was kidding. So anyway, the Holy Spirit, he's going to teach you all things, and he wants to do that. Get ready for this, Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For all who are being, and notice this word, led by the Spirit of God, by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. One way you know you're a believer, one way you know you're a child of God, why? Is the Holy Spirit leads you. The Holy Spirit leads you. Um, We have a group of men that... Uh, Craig and I and uh, the chairman of our elders, Mike Underwood, have been meeting with incredible men, incredible godly men. But you know what? Every guy who's in that group, the Holy Spirit led us to have them in the group. Right, Craig? Every, would you say 100% now more than ever? Yeah, and, and we look at them. Last night, we were together, and uh, I, I won't get into all the details. The Holy Spirit fell upon us. And I watched one guy who's just the, one of the most muscular guys I've ever seen, not able to get a word out. He was crying. Another man saying, oh my gosh, my wife had a vision this was going to occur. Another one sat there saying, I don't even know what to say in this moment. But I could tell you what was happening that moment. You could just feel the Spirit of God moving in different ways in each and every one of us. One guy said, this confirmed something that someone told me was going to happen. And we're sitting there going, this is why we chose these men. Because they're so in tune with the Holy Spirit. And uh, we got to experience that. But God led us to each one of them. God led us to each one of them. I believe I'm the senior pastor of Crossroads Church today because God led me here. I remember when I could, I could have either been here at CCV, Christ Church of the Valley in San Dimas. And my house was 17 miles from each one exactly, which is wild. And I would drive out to a particular intersection. If I turned right, I went to one Christchurch of the Valley. If I turned left, I went to Crossroads. And I want to tell you that back then, I won't get into the whole story, the easier turn would have been to go right. But God kept telling me, you got to go left. You got to go left. You got to go left. And I want to tell you what, I am... You may be not as excited as I am, but I'm thrilled to be your pastor. And, uh, and I feel God led me here. Now, thank you, thank you, but I really do, and I, I love it. So God wants to teach you. He wants to guide you using the Holy Spirit. He wants to empower you. He wants to empower you. Luke 24, 49. Jesus said this, Now I will send you the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in this city until... The Spirit, Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power, with power from heaven. Now, by the way, that promise is for you, that the Holy Spirit would come. And now you have a power that's beyond you, a power that's beyond you. And so I want to say this. I'm not trying to brag. I have endured things I know today I would not have been able to endure if it wasn't for the power of the Holy Spirit. I've overcome things I know I couldn't have overcome if it wasn't the power of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, yeah, praise God for that. And all of you who experience that know it's not like Chuck's great. It's like, no, the Holy Spirit's great. It's God's great. Jesus comes by and all these things happen. And don't you, that's what God wants your experience to be with him. And that's what he wants, that you would be endowed with power from on high. In Acts chapter 1, he brings it up again. Jesus said, but you will receive, and notice that word, power. 
Power. By the way, the word power is the Greek word uh, dunamos, where we get the word dynamite. You will receive explosive power, is what he's saying, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He said, so when that comes, you're going to speak forth. You're going to take the gospel in places you can't imagine. Incredible things are going to occur, which brings something up that's super important in this moment. He said these words, you will be telling. Why is that important? Because every single time, 100% of the time that the filling of the Holy Spirit is named, somebody speaks. In other words, there's not one moment where someone's filled with the Holy Spirit and they keep silent. They either speak to encourage other Christians. They speak to give a message from God in one way or another. They speak to witness about Jesus in one way or another. Uh, They speak to praise God. Those four things. 100% of the time. So let me say this. If you're ready to be filled with the Holy Spirit, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to have to speak. You're going to have to speak. So at your office, you're sitting there thinking, all right, you know, Lord, I'm in the middle of my workplace Please fill me with the Holy Spirit. The Lord's going, are you going to tell anybody? You can't sit there and go, I got the Spirit. Nobody knows. No, it doesn't work that way. You know, you're sitting in a family gathering. Are you going to talk and share about the Lord? But you know what? If you say, Lord, fill me, then get ready. God wants you to talk to somebody. Or he wants you to praise him. He wants you to do something with that. And every single time that's true. In Luke 1, 41 to 45, it was true. In Luke 1, 67 to 75, it was true. In Acts 2, 4, it was true. In Acts 4, 8 to 10, it was true. In Acts 4, 31, it was true. In Ephesians 5, which we'll get to in a minute. The idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit means you let it out, you let it out, you let it out. Here's the question I ask God. Am I filled and then I speak or... Am I ready to speak and I get filled? You see, I don't know what the answer is. I just know that you got to say something or you got to sing something or you got to do something. And God wants that to be the case. So the Holy Spirit, he empowers you and then he wants you to go speak for things that are true of him. And then the Holy Spirit also gives you gifts. I told you that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 says this. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. And then it says this, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. This is super important. Better fact, Craig's going to take a whole time to preach on this in a few weeks. That nobody is given a spiritual gift for their own personal benefit. Nobody. It's always for the common good, which then in the end blesses you. In other words, God blesses you through the power of the Holy Spirit with a gift. And when you get blessed with the gift, you're to go to bless someone else. And what happens is when you bless others, what happens? You get more blessed. And you're blessed to be a what? Oh, I knew some of you knew it. If you guys don't know that, you're blessed to be a blessing. And so, and that's so true. By the way, if God blesses you with money, go bless somebody else. If God blesses you with uh, uh, an ability to show love, go show that love. But when God gives you a spiritual gift, you have a mission and a commission to go and use that gift to bless other people. And you know what? When you do, you get more blessed. How do you know you're using your spiritual gift? I'm going to steal a little bit from Craig's sermon. Get ready. How do you know you're using your spiritual gift? Because you get so much joy. If you're not getting joy, then you're probably not using your gift. 
But if you're using your gift, guess what? You get joy. And so God wants to bless you. So that gift is a holy, holy calling that causes incredible things to happen. But here's the cool thing. The Bible teaches the Holy Spirit distributes the gift to each one as he pleases. So in other words, the gift I got was because the Holy Spirit said, that's the one I want to give Chuck. The gift Carrie got is because that's the one God wanted to give Carrie. So the gift that you got, that's the one that God wanted to give you. And let me tell you this, God always gives the perfect gift. You know, sometimes people give you a gift and you're like, thank you. It is the thought that counts. And God, God's very thoughtful. God's very purposeful. And you're called for so much. You're called for great things. And God wants that for you. And so the Holy Spirit does that. And and he does that in incredible, incredible ways. And so God's great desires that you would experience that. But I want to give you kind of a warning. The Bible also teaches that you and I can grieve the Holy Spirit and quench the Holy Spirit. We could grieve the Holy Spirit and we could quench the Holy Spirit. And uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, that's where we're going to jump to, you guys. Ephesians 4, verse 30, says, it talks about this. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, think about this. The word grieve means you're actually causing emotional pain. See, God is in a very real relationship with you. It's a love relationship with you. So what the Lord is is saying is there are times, man, it hurts to be with you and around you. When you act some of the ways you act, God's like, that hurts. When you say some of the things you say, God's like, that hurts. When he gives you an opportunity and you don't take it, God's like, ah, it grieves grieves him. By the way, always because he loves you and cares about you. When you're caught up in a secret sin, I need to probably say it even though you know it, it's not a secret to God. And if Here's the thing. If the Holy Spirit's never going to leave you while you're committing that sin, it's like you're saying, come watch this sin. Come be next to me while I do this wrong thing. And here's what's wild. The Holy Spirit said, I'm not leaving, but it hurts. The word grieve actually has the idea of crying, shedding tears. And we can do that to the Holy Spirit. We can do that to the Holy Spirit when we, we don't step out on faith. Don't go with what God has for you. Because he's like, oh, it hurts because I care so much about you and what you can have and experience. And then it says that we can quench the Holy Spirit. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5.19 is so simple. It says, do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. And you and I can quench the Holy Spirit. And And you know what that means? You could stop his working in your life. You could stop his guiding. You could stop his teaching. You could stop his encouraging. You could stop his help. You could stop his call. All of that. You actually are given a God given power that God didn't have to let you have called free will, where you can cramp it up. It's like having a hose that's running and cramp it and say, nope, not going to flow out. I'm not going to love in this moment. I'm going to quench the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to share my faith this moment. I'm going to quench the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to volunteer to go to Royal Family Kids Camp, which, by the way, isn't for all of you, but some of you are being called to do it. You can shut that down and quench the Holy Spirit. Uh, there are times we give an invitation, which I'm about to do, to come and know Christ. And I talk about coming forward, and I'm going to tell you, a lot of people, they'll pray the prayer, then they'll quench the Holy Spirit and say, I'm not going to step out. And, and the reason that concerns me is because it's, it's hurting them. 
It's keeping them from it. And, and the Lord wants you to experience so much. So I want to do this right now. We're going to go to a time of prayer, and I'm going to go to a time of invitation with you. But I want to ask you to think about this, whether you're here or you're online. Are you ready to say yes to whatever God has for you? Are you ready to say, I want to know the God who is spirit and truth, and I want to live in truth and not to lie. I want to know the Lord who is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, and I want the freedom. I want the transformation. I want the power. I am ready for that with everything I have. And right now, if you're ready to do that, I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to it or a recommitment. Either you commit your life to Christ for the first time or you recommit. Maybe you're a couple and your marriage isn't spirit-filled. What if you prayed a prayer together saying, we want to be a, have a spirit-filled marriage? So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, you promised to send the Spirit to us. And you also tell us that the Spirit is, convicts us. Not because of trying to make us feel bad, but because of wanting us to, to move to something better. And I pray right now for some people here who need to, they need to say, you know what? I'm going to be 100% for Jesus. No more holding back. I want everything he has for me. I want power, the power of the Spirit in my life. I want love, the love of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want joy, the joy of the Spirit in my life. I want peace. And I pray right now they're going to pray a prayer where they say yes to you. Some are going to have to say, Lord, I'm ready to stop doing something that I shouldn't be doing. You're ready to say a prayer where you're convicted and say yes to him. Lord, I pray you're going to call people right now. I pray you really are. So just take a second and say this. Are you supposed to make a commitment to the Lord tonight? And if you are, I'm going to ask you to do this. If you feel like, you know what, I need to either commit or recommit, or I need to commit to do something for God that I've been holding out on, I need to commit to obey, or I need to commit to, to take a step of faith, or I need to make a commitment to stop, to have this thing stop, and I need the Holy Spirit to help me. I'm going to ask you to do this. If that's you, I'm going to ask you in a moment to raise your hand so I can pray for you. But then I'm going to ask you, if you raise your hand, to come forward. I'm going to ask you to step out and make that walk. So if you're ready to do that, if you're ready to say yes to the Lord right now, wherever you are, Go ahead and just raise your hand. Just raise your hand in the air so I can know you're ready to say, God, tonight's a night I'm ready to make a brand new commitment to something. And if that's you, just go ahead and raise your hand where I can see you. Praise God, man. That is so exciting. Praise the Lord. Is God calling anybody else right now? This is your moment to say yes to God. Yeah, right over here too. Praise the Lord. And over here. Praise God. Is there a stirring inside saying, you know what? I've been holding back on something. Now it's time to say, I'm ready to be his. Lift your hand where we can see you. And if you're online, they're going to be talking to you. All right, all of you who God touched, let's pray this prayer. Say this. Say, Lord, I want to be yours. No holding back. So empty me of me and fill me with your spirit now.
fill me with your spirit right now. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen to those of you who raised your hands, man. Praise God. Thanks again for joining us. Here at Crossroads, we're all about helping people take their next step. So, what's your next step? Whether you've made a decision to follow Jesus, want to be baptized, or you're interested in knowing more about God and the Bible through our Alpha class, we can help you take your next step at crossroadschurch.family. We also want to invite you to gather your family and friends to join us right here online again next week. We're live Wednesdays at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 9 a.m. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss out on any new messages. If you found this message encouraging, click the like button and let us know how we can pray for you this week in the comments. Finally, if your life is being impacted by Crossroads and if you wanna be part of making an impact all over the world, you can head to crossroadschurch.family to do that now. Thanks again for watching and we'll see you next time.